Colored Red, a podcast that's all about Colorado true crime. I have a short historical murder today that involves a love triangle set to the backdrop of the beginning of the roaring 1920s in Denver. The information for this episode today is from the book Murder in the Mile High City by Linda Womack and Linda Jones. Newspapers in the 1920s in Denver and in many other cities were largely reporting on positive aspects of life and social functions and crimes and smaller murders went largely unreported for a little while leading into the early 1920s. They were mostly focused on getting people back into the swing of things, getting people back into the economy and life was really, really good for people who had money in the 1920s, and it was e- it was pretty much equally bad for people who didn't have money in the 1920s. But because they were largely focused on reporting positive news, it really came as a shock to the residents of Denver when they opened their papers on a chilly morning in February of 1920 and read about a man shot to death in a Denver hotel. On the previous day of February 23rd, 1920, Gunshots rang out into the streets of Denver from the Waldorf Hotel, which at that time was located at 1757 Stout Street. This location, from what I can tell, either no longer exists, unless the numbering of the streets has changed. Um, It's possible that the building in question is one of those that was used to house the Rocky Mountain Diner on the first floor at 18th and Stout. But it's also possible that the hotel was demolished and replaced with a modern building that I'm seeing next door on Google Maps. I cannot even find an old picture of the Waldorf Hotel in Denver online. So sorry to say I don't have an image. If you guys know of a place that you know there's an image, let me know. So back to the shots on February 23rd. The police were called by hotel employees and directed to room 8, where a man named Charles T. Brown was living with a woman that the hotel employees thought was his wife. Journalists arrived soon after the police arrived and went into the room, and their combined presence in the room contributed to an already confusing scene that they beheld. Inside the room was the corpse of a man lying face up on the floor. Loosely set in his hand was a pearl-handled Colt single-action revolver that he supposedly brought in with him. Sitting on the bed with his head on a pillow on the headboard and his legs covered with the blankets was a young man with a revolver next to him. A young woman was also in the room and had answered the door. The man sitting up in bed was alive and uninjured. Police turned to him and began asking him what happened. As he stared blankly at the body of the man lying on the floor, he softly spoke. He came here to kill me. He went to pull his gun, and I just got him first. That's all there is to it. The police, journalists, and the front desk lady in the room were then shocked when the woman in the room, presumed to be the wife of Charles Brown, the man in the bed, suddenly rushed to the man on the floor and flung herself over his body, sobbing, Oh, my poor dead husband. After this little scene, police questioned the woman and the man in the bed further. The revolver on the bed only had two shots in it, and Mr. Brown said that he didn't know how many times he fired, just that it was more than once. The body was taken by the coroner, and Mr. Brown and the mysterious woman were taken into custody for what the police thought would be a really clear-cut self-defense case. While in custody, the woman was determined to be Jesse Rogers, and the dead man on the floor was Edward Bell Rogers, her estranged husband. Jesse also filled police in on her horrible marriage with the now-dead Mr. Rogers. 
Throughout their marriage, she said, Rogers beat her mercilessly and threatened to kill her many times. She said that she had fled the marriage in Wyoming and come to Denver two years earlier where she had met Charles Brown soon after that and began a relationship with him. Mr. Brown told a similar story that he had met Mrs. Rogers and been living with her in the hotel, unaware that she was married. Brown told the police that a few days prior to the shooting, he had fallen ill and been in bed, and Mrs. Rogers left to run some errands and came back agitated. She then relayed to Mr. Brown that she was married, and her estranged husband had confronted her in the street at a corner near the hotel at 18th and Champa. Her husband told her that he knew about the affair, and what's more, he knew where they were staying because he had been wandering the streets, following them, and spying on them for months. He threatened Jesse Rogers and Mr. Brown with death. When Mr. Brown in the hotel room heard about all this, he grabbed his gun and put it next to him on the bed. He told police that he originally got the gun years prior to protect himself against hobos, so he didn't buy the gun specifically for this. Mr. Brown and Jesse had lunch on the bed together, and as they were cleaning up, there was a knock at the door. Jesse answered the door, and her estranged husband barged in, pushing Jesse aside and heading straight to Mr. Brown, calling him a son of a bitch. Rogers had an entire speech prepared for the young lovers in the bedroom. He told Jesse that he wanted her back. Mr. Brown interjected that it was Jesse's choice, and she told her husband that she would be staying with Mr. Brown. The shouting and arguing continued, with the ill Mr. Brown attempting to soothe the situation and tell Mr. Rogers to leave. Mr. Rogers then reached into his pocket in a fit of anger, and Mr. Brown acted first in this situation and shot Mr. Rogers to death, and he was found in that exact spot on the ground, and as it turns out, he was reaching for his gun after all because it was found in his hand. The police, for whatever reason, wanted this case to be more than a cut-and-dry self-defense case, so they charged Charles Brown with first-degree murder, and they charged Jesse Rogers as an accessory to murder. The case went to trial only a couple of months later on May 12, 1920. The prosecution attempted to suggest that Brown had shot first from under the blanket for no reason at all. And this was immediately disproven because there were no holes in the bedspread or sheets. And supposedly the bedspread was never presented as evidence. And not a ton of evidence was really presented in this case either way. And that's either true or not true for a reason I'm about to say. Charles Brown took the stand in his own self-defense. And the jury was swayed by his accounts of shooting the enraged Mr. Rogers who entered their bedroom. They came back only after a couple of days of trial with a not guilty verdict, and the charges against Jesse Rogers were dropped. Curiously, even long after this case was over, Detective McCabe of the Denver Police, who was on this case, maintained that he believed something else happened in the room that day. Was Mr. Brown actually so sick that he couldn't get out of bed? Then he got out of bed just fine when taken to the station. Was Rogers truly that abusive to his wife? Was this a setup or was it actually a case of self-defense? And honestly, we may never know the truth about room eight because mysteriously, all records of this case had been removed from the Colorado District Court records. So that's it about room eight in the Waldorf Hotel um, downtown Denver in 1920. 
I don't have any pictures for this actual case, so I'm gonna get some pictures of 1920s Denver and put them up, and I'm gonna see what I can find for you guys. Check those out on Instagram at Colored Red Podcast. I also have a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash colored red podcast. And for just $1 per month, um, you will get a personalized card and a sticker from me. And that sticker is high quality vinyl and it can stick to your car, to your water bottle, to whatever you want. So that's just $1 per month. Stay safe, everybody. And above all, stay sane right now. And I'll be with you guys at the end of the month with another episode. Until then. Mm-hmm.